that, you know, it's like how kids talk about baseball players. That's how we talk about albums. We're just trying to postpone mortality. They need that to fill some kind of void that they have. The search for the Yeti. He's a duck. <laughs> well, don't interfucking rough. Hello and welcome to the Smashing Pumpcast. I'm Frank Garcia-Hale. I'm Pat O'Brien, and today we are very excited to be discussing sort of a golden moment in Pumpkin's history that a lot of fans know it happened, but maybe people don't know exactly how it happened or what it was like, and that is 1999's The Arising Tour. Today we're joined by a very special guest. Peter Makabish was the director of the tour. He is, uh, you know, was there for the whole thing. He's also, yep. you're an art dealer, you're in real estate. There's, you, you do a lot of, you're sort of a jack of, of many trades. Am I correct? Many, many trades. Saying that. Master of none. Master of none. Well, hey, look, at least you're out there. <laughs> at least you're out there doing it you know what i mean you're 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 in the you're involved in the arts and um yeah. we're excited to to talk to you and we're excited to hear how you got involved in this tour what your role was and right on man. Well, yeah what you've been up to uh since then uh back in 1995 uh my my uh my girlfriend at the time became good friends with billy's girlfriend at the time she said to me oh uh she is dating uh Billy Corgan and I was like rad you know they're one of my favorite bands you know I've I've been a I've been a, a groupie of many bands and you know that's how I sort of always threw myself into music you know I used to DJ for probably 17 years um, I made remixes with uh, different record labels as well and you um, DJed at the Mercer right I played at the Mercer. Yeah. Um, it was a you know a little speakeasy downstairs. It was a very special place. They could have uh, two people in there, and they could have a line of forty. But if they don't know the other people, they won't get in. So it was oh. kind of a who's who. You know, it would be maybe one person in there at the time, and it might be you know no one else was allowed in, and it it would be Benicio del Toro sipping a a, a drink at the bar. But if you didn't know the doorman, you probably didn't get in. Um, and it was really claustrophobic downstairs. So I kind of liked when it didn't have many people because the ceilings were low. Um, it was super sexy. Andre Bellage designed and uh, made it real fun. So, nice. um, yeah, I did that uh, for a lot, of, uh, a lot of events and parties and uh, we throw our, our own party on uh, Thursdays. But back to Billy, we met and we got on. I consider Billy still a good friend of mine. And slowly he uh, he and I started having a, uh, a relationship as friends, which was really cool. Um, he's uh, an enthusiastic person. He's open-minded. He's creative. So... Um, when I was actually making my first film called Every Day. So I made a, f 
I made a, a star fucking film while I was living in LA. I took 16 mil film and turned it into eight millimeter. And um, I did different vignettes with different people, including Eric from Hole, uh, Melissa Alftemauer. I had Neil Strauss, who's the author of, he did the Motley Crue book. He did the Eminem book. He did the game. He also did the truth. He became a real good friend of mine in the late 90s. Um, we used to go to concerts because prior to making books, he would be reviewing concerts. So, you know, we would go to different shows and he would have to write about them in the New York Times. And then he would either get a love letter or a hate mail from the artist. Who else was in there? Ian Asbury from The Cult was in it. Um it was a bunch of slew of people that I made. Billy was in it. And which was cool was, you know, Billy never really asked questions about it. He was super enthusiastic and uh, always liked to be a part of uh, something that was creative and interesting. Mm -hmm. So without much thought, he said, yeah, I'll, I'll be a part of the film. And there's a great part in the film where I asked Billy, what, what, what makes you happy? Billy's answer is the, uh, he's basically referring to the crowd, how it's almost godly, how, you know, everyone's sort of all one at the time. Mm -hmm. Billy and I did that together. Um, we do re phone calls, recorded phone calls, so I could get more info for the film, stuff like that. And he was always, a uh, really uh happy to participate mm -hmm. so anyway time went on after that uh we continued to stay friends uh we were both actually in australia at the time my friend my one of my dear friends still is was the um, was the manager of the band the tour manager his name was gooch mm -hmm. and uh Actually, Gooch might be great for your show as well. Yeah, I thought about Gooch. Yeah, 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 tracking him down. So Gooch and Bill Ramey would always see me at different shows. The first time Gooch met me, you know, the first thing I would say is, where's the beer? <laughs> and, you know, all of a sudden he sees me at another show in Paris and I'm like, where's the beer? <laughs> and he, he asked Bill Ramey. Bill has long hair. He was the, I think the, not the tour manager, Gooch was, but he was the um, production manager, I think. And they would say, who the fuck is this guy? He's always asking for beer. Who? What is he doing here, first off? And why is he always asking me for beer? So after that, time goes on. We then, in uh, probably 97 at the Nassau Coliseum, I was giving all of our friends haircuts. And uh, this was the night prior I was cutting Kerry Brown's hair, who I love still. I see him and talk to him all the time. He was married to Darcy. Mm -hmm. So the next night day, we're on the bus going to uh, Nassau Coliseum, and it's me and Billy and Yelena and Helena. I think James was on the bus in the front, probably listening to music, and Darcy. And we were sitting in the back, and... There was a guy named Jimmy Flemian from the Frogs. Mm -hmm. And Jimmy um, had a mullet. So he was balding on top, but had a mullet in the back. 
<laughs> so in my best Billy impersonation, he says to Billy says to me, why don't you cut Jimmy's hair during 1979? <laughs> I said, let's do it. So out come the scissors, out comes the amplifier. Jimmy Flemian comes out, sits on the amplifier with his butterfly wings and his red lips. And James Eha says, let's make art. And <laughs> I cut his hair in three minutes on stage. Wow. At the Nassau Coliseum. And how did the crowd <laughs> respond? Did they cheer you on? Did they, was it exhilarating giving a haircut? Um, oh my God. Everybody was asking me, uh, where my salon was. Nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Darcy actually asked, uh, she introduced me as Warren Beatty from Hair. And I came <laughs> out, I really played it up. I threw a scarf over my neck. You know, I was wearing my Capri pants from Monaco. And uh, yeah, I mean, that was another time when people were super excited to see something funny and different. And, uh, you know, the band was always like that. They were always into doing funny uh surprising things mm -hmm. it's a nice reminder too because i think from an outsider's perspective the band maybe and with you know there was there were sort of hard times and tragedies and stuff that happened in the band so i think a lot of people viewed the band as like this very serious all the time kind of um you know group of people but it's fun for us and we've talked to enough people who who know them firsthand to hear stories like that where it's like you know proof that it, that's not true and they were funny you know people with three-dimensional lives you know what i mean oh my god you put jimmy in a room with you and he will make you laugh forever yeah. jimmy has the best laugh in the world I believe it and you know james has a, a very soft side to him a very uh he's super talented on his own as a guitar player i loved his solo music as well mm -hmm. darcy was great playing in the band and you know billy just is magnificent the guitar is attached to his to his arm it's a it's another appendage mm -hmm. it's untouchable it can destroy when he is playing when he is really at his best and um he's he's really on it he really connects well with the crowd jimmy's great jimmy and billy play off of one another quite a bit Jimmy was a jazz drummer prior to joining the band. He played in a band at weddings, I think, or hotels. I think he was a hotel drummer. Mm -hmm. So cut to, finally, they say, I want to do the Arising tour. They knew I was filming. They said, you know, also, you know, we like you on, you know, we want somebody that we like and somebody that we trust and somebody that can handle the road and uh, someone that would capture things that other people can't in not so many words. Mm -hmm. More like, hey, do you want to come <laughs> and film? <laughs> right. So they hired you. So they. So you've obviously ingratiated yourself as as a filmmaker, as a somebody you can hang, somebody who gives great haircuts on uh, on and off stage. So this, they came to you and said. Yeah, someone who can kind of do it all and be a part of uh, a part of the band, right? And, and, and you know, and, and was this primarily 
What, now, when you say you were d- the director of the tour, was that because the tour was filmed or, or parts of the tour were filmed? Were, were you brought on specifically as the film director of the footage of the tour or the live um, stage director or both? Oh, um, I was the I was the guy with the camera. Right, right. I was the cameraman. I didn't call myself a director. There was nothing that was it was it was primarily for uh the band only mm-hmm. just sort of a home home movie type of deal just to record a small tour mm-hmm. and is that so there is some footage that is out there kind of um low res footage on the internet of some of these performances is everything that was filmed you or was there also another were there other film crews at different points or or, are you no no other film crews it was just me filming everything okay um i either had an eight millimeter um which was actually cut 16 mil Mm -hmm. and i used that and i also used um it was one of those cameras that took, uh, I think it was a DVR right. camera or mm-hmm. they took kind of medium sized tapes and mm-hmm. really large tapes at the time. Right, right. So before kind of pre mini DV. Yeah. I, 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 oh, we did have, we didn't use mini DV, but mini DV was out. We used DV for everything. Mm-hmm. Well, I used DV for everything, but it wasn't. Um, I never used the the mini handheld. Right, right. So that that brings us to we checked we looked at your IMDb and it says that there are plans for I believe next year th- the release of the arising film or of this the some kind of version of the the documentary or the documentation of, of this tour is that something we can look forward to i'm hoping we can really uh put all the pieces together to make it happen um so far everything looks good we still have some hurdles to get over i know a lot of smashing pumpkin fans are waiting to see something that's really personal and almost where the even the cameraman me becomes a part of the film i become actually a character in the film um because everything is so personal Mm -hmm. so looking forward i'm putting all the positivity out there to make sure all the parts can come together right now to make it happen and yes we are moving forward as far as cutting and editing and we'll have something put together i i i hope that it, it it is going to be able to be seen because um you know, what you see is just a, a, a great band on tour, lots of fun, lots of very behind the scenes things that haven't, you know, necessarily been seen before. Special guest appearances by different people. You know, you'll have uh, very intimate moments with each of the band members and the chemistry between them is on and off the camera but you get to see the chemistry when i'm filming and it is something that i have a feeling not many people believe the pumpkins are is uh funny and not serious all the time you know their music it's uplifting to many but you know they don't come across you know they're a psychedelic band really yeah you know their their music isn't really the uplifting type i'm funny kind of band 
but yeah, everything that you see is, you know, and I'm only going off of what you said, how they probably don't strike people as a band that does not seem or always seem serious. Right. And I think right. we, we are, you know, and the people listening to this, I think are big enough fans to know that that's not the case or, you know, that it like the, the band is uplifting to them in some way. But I think the, yeah, it's, it's, I feel like the sort of MTV news version of the band in the nineties was sort of like tragedy, bummer stuff fighting, you know, and that stuff existed, but, um, yeah, it, it would be really cool to see this footage and we're, yeah, we're, we're, well, you know, you can always see bits and pieces on, uh, on my Instagram. Um, I have a couple things posted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wanted to give thanks to Adam Bramwell, uh, one of our listeners who actually tipped us to when you started posting some of that stuff. uh, Oh, right on. Yeah. Yeah. And so we want to thank him for, uh, basically, uh, you know, putting you on our radar so we could actually have this interview. So thank you. Thanks, Adam. There's such magical moments in this film, um, and I get super excited talking about it because it was uh, it was a special tour. It was just two weeks, but it kind of blew through America and yeah. ripped the hole through America because the Pumpkins at that time really playing well. Um, and I'd like to say um, the Pumpkins have never stopped playing well yeah at all but you know there was a need at at that time we needed to hear rock on the road and um i think virgin made a great i uh, a great choice by saying let's do a small mini tour we don't need to do a big tour right now let's play in very tiny uh very tiny spots Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, and it was, you're right, it was it was a, a short tour. It wasn't many dates, but it wasn't like it was localized. To, I think a lot of two-week tours, it might be like, well, we'll hit the West Coast or we'll hit the East Coast. But it was truly coast to coast. What was it that you enjoyed about being around the band? Well, to be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm a big music head and I'm a groupie. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm a music groupie uh, forever. You know, music is my passion. Music is uh, highs and lows. Music is uh, peaks and valleys. You know, I always set my, set my goal to be with the people that really most inspire me, which is actually how I started becoming a DJ because I was around the music I loved all the time. And then from that, I started making remixes and working with people that I really, really respected and uh, appreciated. And that was really the same process I used when I got into art. Um, Mm -hmm. I've been selling art for a long time now, but 
prior to selling art, I was friends with all these amazing artists. Um, and it, and it really parallels the worlds of music and, and art. They're super similar. They both hit the senses quickly and, um, they both leave you with an emotion. So I was drawn to the artists that inspired me and I'm drawn to painters that inspire me and musicians that inspire me. And I love being around music because music makes me feel great. And to actually get into the mind of a band that you love, um, all the members of the band, and also to get into a a painter's head uh, and to hang out with them, to me, was just um, a super feeling. Uh, I, I meet Billy and I love the Smashing Pumpkins. So I was like, wow, not, not only am I becoming um, a friend and someone trusted, I'm hanging out with the band that I just have always loved. I remember seeing them, you know, back in 1990 or 89 when I was in school in Boston, you know, performing with Pearl Jam, the Chili Peppers and the Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, wow. I think if you put your mind to anything, you can achieve it. And that's what is so cool about persistence and, and drive and a passion. And music is my passion. You know, art is my passion. With that relationship and how you feel about art and music, how did that influence how you filmed the tour? I go into stuff um, just as if I curate a show. I go into filming a tour just as if I start off just filming and getting everybody comfortable with me and getting everybody comfortable with a camera in their face. I'm I'm not approaching too much. You know, I'm sort of a bit a fly on the wall, so to speak, at first. uh, But at this point, it was kind of different with the pumpkins a little because I already gathered and, and I already had a friendship with all of them. So I was a little less because I filmed tours, you know, as well with Vagrant Records. And, uh, well, I did my film uh, every day. So, you you know, the the Smashing Pumpkins were friends and I was able to, but my, my whole process is I go in organic, I go in very loose. And as the film progresses, I see something that I'm doing and it becomes a narrative slowly. So I knew what I would be doing by the end of the film, but I did not know where it would go from the beginning. As you're organically filming, what is like maybe a moment where you're like, okay, now I see the narrative. Like, does that usually happen pretty soon or does it happen more in the process of the filming? Or is it like kind of hindsight where you're in the editing process of it and you're like, now I see the story? Yeah, it's definitely in the... I think I get the narrative. I find the narrative at the end of the filming. Mm-hmm. That's always, uh, I feel like, especially filming a tour, you don't know which way that it's going to go. So if mm-hmm. you go in with a specific narrative, you don't necessarily, you know, you can't be um, disappointed if you don't get what you want. Right. So, you know, you don't want certain people to act a certain way because you're like, oh, hey, I want you to be this way or I, uh, can you please do this? Um, it's, you, you don't want to direct people, but you want them to only feel comfortable with you while they're being filmed. And 
I realized my narrative slowly became me becoming a character because mm-hmm. everyone is speaking to me. You know, I, I started uh, filming more people uh, that I felt like were important on the tour, which I didn't plan on doing. You know, I spent a lot of time with the bus driver because that's a heavy job, driving bands yeah. all night long. That's a big job. That's a lot of responsibility while a band sleeps. One of the, you know, no matter what band it is, you're, you're in control of their lives. And yeah. um, that, that to me was, a, 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 you know, they're, they're, to me, they're super people, you know. And, and when you know the hours they're driving and you experience it, you get a lot more, uh, when you're hands-on with it, you get a lot more respect for their, their occupation. I've always found myself sort of drawn to the people that sometimes necessarily aren't the stars of the film. And I think that's what makes it uh, makes the film more of a personal perspective inside my my mind. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like I I like to make films that are sort of stream of consciousness and um, whatever comes to your, you know, whatever you, you feel comfortable filming, you film. And then when you start re, when you start going into the footage, you say, okay, do I want to make this film like this or do I want to make this film like that? And when you have all the elements to do any type of film you want, it, which is what I said about filming organically and loosely, it gives you a wide, um, a wide range of what you can do with the film as opposed to going into it with just one one single idea alone because that to me is uh you know putting yourself in a box and not being able to experience a lot more than you normally you know can and uh holding yourself restricting yourself Mm -hmm. and did you anticipate to be part of the film that much i mean what what did you find yourself just getting kind of caught up in it and it kind of the narrative kind of uh lending itself to you getting involved with it you know when when my film started becoming a you know edited from my editor and co-director i'll call him because Mm -hmm. he has um done quite a lot of work on it jimmy the exploder that's, he goes by this name. He said, you know, you're really a, quite a character in this. And I kind of knew what he was talking about because everyone is speaking to me and you can actually hear my voice speaking to mm-hmm. them. So it's like a one-on-one conversation. I kind of take on a feeling of being the general masses. Yeah, and, it's like a first person account. Yes, like it could be anyone. It, it, put in my position and they can feel as if they're getting a response directly from, as opposed to being around and filming them speaking to each other. Right. You know, it's almost like virtual reality. <laughs> it's virtual. It's like stepping into a video game and you are right. going one-on-one, you know, it's, it's like you are going one-on-one with your favorite uh, rock star. That's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, everyone's always directing themselves to me and the camera became super apparent and everyone was okay with it. Yeah. Well, that sounds odd. I mean, to be, have that kind of, because we see so much footage of the pumpkins, but it's rare that you actually get a glimpse of like what it's like 
to be on tour or be in a room with them and to have that interaction. Cause you see these interviews and that's one thing, but to have somebody close to the band that they trust and they, they like, and to see that from that perspective, as if you're embedded in there with them is really cool. It's, it's an experience that I, I thrive on. Uh, Gooch actually became the tour manager for Depeche Mode. And, uh, oh, I remember this is a, uh, sort of a uh, embarrassing story. I remember I was in the room next to Dave Gahan and, you know, I'm a huge fan of uh, the De- Depeche Mode as is Billy. Um, yeah. Huge fan of Depeche Mode. So love them. Yeah. Right. Aren't they great? They're one of the best live bands I've oh ever seen. Oh my God. I mean, I have so much great footage of them. Uh, you know, of, of course I got the Gooch special pass. So I'm I'm free to run anywhere, and I got such great filming of Dave and and Martin. And uh, Dave is the, one of the best performers uh, that I've ever seen. The way he handles a microphone, um, I haven't seen in his. He has moves beyond moves. You know, he's a great frontman. So I remember being in Gucci's production room on one of the many shows I've seen of Depeche Mode, and I all of a sudden I hear. In the room next to me, I hear uh, Dave Gahan singing along to Heroes. Wow! From you know, in my ear is on the wall, and and Gooch looks at me and says, "Peter, <laughs> get your ear off the wall. You look ridiculous. If somebody walks by, they're going to think you're crazy." <laughs> and I said, "I can't help it, Gooch." This is too amazing. Dave Gahan is singing along to David Bowie's live version of We Could Be Heroes. <laughs> you know, so all of this stuff, all of, you know, I get totally excited being around these people, um, you know, and, and, and being, uh, I, feel, I feel super alive. So um, it's one of the, the things in, in my life that really, really excite me and drive me uh, forward, really. Um, mm. There's nothing more special than having reciprocation and love and trust from, because, you know, everyone wants to feel love and trusted, especially from people that they really respect. Yeah. That's just the human nature. Um, people, <laughs> you know, people, people want appreciation from people that they appreciate. So uh, yeah. to get that from a band while I'm filming was just, Super. And it obviously came from a friendship that was long before filming the tour, because you got to remember, I met everyone in 95. The, the, the tour was in 99. So you had mentioned your editor. Uh, were there any other people that was this t- entirely your idea? Were there any other people who pushed you to make this documentary? You know, there were people. There's some uh, a producer named Mitch McClellan who uh, heard I had the footage and he took the initiative of digitizing everything from film from DVR to digital. And then he knew somebody in Australia. He goes under the uh, pseudonym of Jimmy the Exploder, who I guess he took the name from a White Stripes song. Um, (laughs) And he goes under that. And he did his first feature 
um, under that. And he, I guess he's staying with this name. Um, yeah, man. Uh, so he brought it to him and he showed him all the footage and, you know, Mitch, Mitch, when he saw it, thought it was gold. And then he showed, uh, Jimmy and Jimmy was blown away because he's a, a really big fan of the pumpkins as well. And, uh, he's never seen footage so captivating, so close, so powerful than the than the than the footage he was looking at. You know, as far as documentaries, you know, besides like I always think of my favorite is like the Robert Frank Rolling Stones uh, right. movie. So they took the project and were so excited about it. And you know, the funny thing is, is wherever I moved, I always kept all the the footage in five boxes and brought it from either a storage room or to a new home I was moving to. But I always, but it was always with you. It was always with me. And I always looked at it either like, okay, this is going to file under nostalgia and a great time I had in my life. And because I'm, I'm doing so many other things, I'm really, really busy with other, you know, doing my art and real estate, I was kind of okay with the fact of, look, I filmed these guys. It was a great time. And I'm fine looking at the footage. I remember I, I find myself picking up like the, the little tour pamphlet, um, looking at my passes and just thinking such good thoughts about the tour. But they pushed me. Mitch did a great job you know, digitizing and making full effort um, and being really excited and then gave to Jimmy and he made it something and, you know, he would hand it back to me. I would look at it. I would, um, I would give him more of a, a direction that I felt like the film should go and the, what I was thinking it should capture. Yeah. From all the looseness I filmed, there definitely became a narrative and what, you know, Jimmy was the one that pointed out to me that you are a character yeah. in this film. But, you know, I still had very acute uh, thoughts as to where the film would go after I filmed it. Like, I, I knew what I wanted to do after, but not before. My, my main goal right. was to capture everything I can. Um, and then I will make a narrative. I feel like as long as you capture what you want and you're satisfied, there can be a film made from it. So, Peter, you you know you were there. You were there on the whole tour. We've been we were not there, but we have been listening to the recordings. You know, there's there's a little bit of footage out there, not much, but there are um, pretty good soundboard recordings of several of these yeah. of these shows. So we've been listening to them, and the band does sound to my ears, pretty amazing. Like when they come out swinging with it, the set list deviated a little bit, but it was pretty set, but they, yeah. they would open with I am one and they just sounded to me like at the top of their game. But I, I would like to hear what your, your perspective was. The, I mean, the energy was just great. Uh, stepping out uh, with the camera hearing the, the crowd, seeing the lights go down, and hearing the first little sound of a guitar through an amp, you know, maybe Billy picking up his guitar. 
is what you might hear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The crowd is growing and growing and growing louder and louder. And there's minimal amounts of shadow on the stage. And yeah, it's true what you said. Once they opened with I Am One um, and those first chords come in, it was it was a it was like the lighting of a uh, of a of a rocket mm-hmm. um yeah i mean that's a return of jimmy too so that's just even more celebratory of that's right like, I... the energy just feels so like you can feel it when like that first show as soon as they hit in i am one there's just like this like ferocious like energy of like fucking we're 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 here you know like it just like it not not we're back but like just being like let's get to work you know we're here to yeah. rock your asses and we're we're doing that yeah we're here to rip you rip you a new asshole yeah, yeah. and people seem to because you could hear on the more i forgot by the way that this was uh jimmy's return mm-hmm. yeah people were chanting his on the bootleg recordings you could hear the crowd talking to each other and there are several jimmy chants that that um spring up throughout some of the shows at least so fa- you know fans were psyched obviously that that he was back I think the whole band was real excited that he was back. I think everybody was excited. Even people that were in other bands were excited to know that Jimmy was back and the Pumpkins were back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially after what Jimmy went through and survived it. You know, the you know it was real. Uh, it was real emotional and and really really good to see everyone back and especially in a small venue. Where you really even no no seat was a bad seat on that tour. Yeah, we're we're jealous. We didn't get to see. I I got to see the Machina the the final Machina uh, tour in Dallas uh, where I lived. Uh, but I, I I to this day I mean I wasn't near one of those shows. But man, where we listening to these uh, shows, we're just like fuck. What to Machina be was great. Um, I think. Machina was they did a lot of songs from Machina on the mm-hmm. tour. Yeah, they were right. testing them out. I think some of them were slightly different too. We'll talk about this in the other episode, but like, yeah, there were, the arrangements were slightly different because they were brand new and about to go into the studio. Do you know that, Peter? I I did know that. Um, I I can't remember if it was no, that was the forming of Zwan when Matt Sweeney and Jimmy right. And Billy met in the studio, and I went up with Jimmy. Um, Machina was the still the four original. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yeah. For well, yeah. Darcy exited a little bit during or before that, and that's when Melissa joined the touring. Oh, and, right, yeah. right. Who's actually in my film that I made prior? Right. As far as like the shows, what what are some great memories that you have? Like, what are some maybe some shows that really stood out to you that you were like, this one was like the, just the best experience that I've seen live or any kind of just happy memories from the road. Oh man. Um, well let's start with the shows. You know, there's nothing cooler than seeing your favorite musicians performing at two feet away. Mm -hmm. So that just feels, uh, super goosebumpy. And uh, to hear all the fans behind you and so excited and everyone is singing the lyrics, that just is probably the most exhilarating 
feeling that can happen. A lot of Billy's solos just blew me away. You know, there's a little Hendrix happening um, over there. There's a little bit of a Black Sabbath happening here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he kind of was able to contextualize a lot of different people that he uh, it admires and make his own. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's such a special individual as a musician and a person that, um, you know, that guitar is, like I said, an appendage when he is on and off the stage, you know, when he's in his dressing room, that was a lot of fun for me being in the dressing room with him doing the why, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. the billy Billy scales yeah the signature billy scales that's what i would hear and you know just standing back there having uh you know like having jimmy on the on the little rubber pad it takes me back to you know high school in 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 drum class oh yeah You know, Jimmy on a on a pad, but no one I mean, I didn't play it like Jimmy on a drum pad. I mean, he's he's really hitting really hitting some heavy rhythmic shit, man. Yeah. Um, you know, he's playing he's playing uh I don't know, pick a song on that on that drum pad. And it is amazing. The 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 the, the strength and the power and the and the and the coordination of a drummer is beyond me. I could never even imagine having all those capabilities in in one body he was a he's funny man billy's funny on tour billy is so funny billy has made so many cheeky remarks and sort of playful remarks they all got used to the camera more and more so it became a narrative about a band not only on the road but with a with a person that they see every day that they are comfortable speaking to they're speaking to me not the camera yeah Mm -hmm. so all of a sudden you have these magical moments happen you have you know billy doing his vaporizing and billy putting tissues up his nose singing who wouldn't stand inside your love (laughs) And you have James is great. James was probably uh, the hardest one to, because I think he's very shy and closed to a degree. And, you know, no judgment. I applaud that. Um, That's how James is. And it's awesome. But uh, he was kind of the, the one I felt almost most timid filming because, you know, um, I thought it, you know, it might be a little more unapproachable, but he became a ham in front of that camera. I mean, we have scenes of him running through the Colorado streets, hiding behind mailboxes and and light posts like a stick-up kid. <laughs> it yeah. was great and and a lot of him dancing and singing on the bus. You know, he he was a he was very much into listening to music um when off stage and darcy was a non-stop talker darcy had her own conversations with herself and with me 
And there's a, t- a part where she actually shows me her papers with her set list and her chords. And there was no possible way anyone else can read it besides Darcy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I captured a scene that I kind of felt like was like a Rolling Stones uh, cocksucker blues film uh, moment with James on his rhythm. It felt like a bigger tour at that time. The, the backstage seemed a bit bigger, so it had that stadium feel of him just kind of rehearsing on his guitar. But it's an obvious song that we know. Can't think of it offhand. Um, it might have been... Uh, it might have been I am one because that's what they would come out with mm-hmm. um, most of the time. You know, there's some there are not some there's a lot of great moments in this movie that will never be recaptured no matter what. And, you know, the pumpkins can keep playing and they will always be a great band. And this was a time and a period of their experience while their road continues. and. It's really great, and I'm honored to have captured all of this because no one else has, and I think it's going to be most memorable for the fans, for the band, for anyone that is related or knows about the pumpkin, Pumpkins because it's, it's really not just a movie you need to see if you're a fan. What do you want fans to take away from this movie if it gets to come out? What What is your grand goal for this? You know, I believe that any every film should feel timeless. Yeah. And can be watched at any time, and you don't have to go back and date the film. I don't like things to look dated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I want this to be a film that can be now, and it can be now. It, can, it could have happened, you know, yesterday. Um, so I... I want, I want more than fans. I want more than uh, band members. I want more than musicians to look at this and feel like they can relate to somebody, including me, who becomes a character in this film. You know, I didn't just spend time with the band. I spent time with the with the with the bus driver. I spent time with the with the bodyguards. I spent time with Gooch, the tour manager. I spent time with, um, you know, a lot of time with the fans. I gave it more personal context because I knew that this might not be used right now. And I'm talking about back in 99. Mm -hmm. But I know down the line, something will be done with it. So as as a director, I like to make something that can withstand the test of time. So you can look at this and go, oh, that's the pumpkins. But you won't look at this film and say, oh, that was the pumpkins then right? in 99. Because this is just a story of the pumpkins. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and that being said, and that's all you need to really know, um, that it is the Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, and I feel like we know from seeing them live a few years back and stuff and just uh, with the new album Seer that they're stronger than ever and that we really I mean it's it's so nice to kind of revisit this period like recently with Gish and stuff. So it's nice to revisit that history 
and see where the band is now. And it's such a like great place to be as a fan with, with the band. Isn't it great to see the evolution of, yeah. of a band and, you know, in comes somebody, out goes somebody, but there's always a strength in unity yeah. that mm-hmm. is, is within the Smashing Pumpkins. And um, you can't deny the, the very talented musicians, whether they were original or not, um, that have joined the band. Billy is very, very precise with who he plays with and who he surrounds and, and puts his time with. Mm-hmm. So you know that anyone that comes within, steps on stage with him, will be someone worthy of playing with and there will be a lot of respect given to them from uh philly and uh the rest of the band absolutely yeah there's a lot to be said about that and uh but this really was a just a film that you know a bunch of kids going out and filming and getting billy in a water park and having him go down a slide (laughs) You know, that could have been yesterday. Yeah. Um, you know, like these are just joyous moments of of capturing things uh, that no one else has captured. And I think that is definitely, that is my talent. My talent lies within the, you know, having uh, able to get trust, belief, and uh, relax in front of the camera so they're actually speaking to me and not the camera and um, that stuff to me is the timeless stuff I want this to be a memorable moment for every for all the band members and also for the fans you know this is something this should be a celebration it's 20 years 21 22 years now since it happened and you know still going strong um you know, it's something to be uh, celebrated and rewarded. And I think people are waiting for it, to be honest. Uh, people need, uh, what is it, every 20 years, it's a new cycle. It's, or it, it repeats itself yeah. in due time. You know, everything, uh, every, every, I mean, look at the other bands that have become popular that everybody's wearing their T-shirts again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's, it's Nirvana. It's uh, Pearl Jam and all those. Yeah. Pearl Jam. Actually, they're playing as well the night prior to the Smashing Pumpkins on September 18th. Mm-hmm, Pearl yeah. Jam's playing in Asbury Park, and then the Pumpkins are playing September 19th. Yeah, headlining. Yeah, yeah it's 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 pretty so incredible. So I uh, actually mentioned to Billy, how about we round this film off and circle back to the Pumpkins right now with an electric ending to the film wow yeah you know the the film is full of surprises full of fun things full of great music uh some explosive guitar solos um great filming uh yay peter (laughs) uh and, and my filming definitely gets better near the end because as shows go on um, you sort of learn the moves and the and the timing a bit more, yeah. but there were several several days that were just so on point. They still give me chills when I watch the videos mm-hmm. and I see them playing, and I put myself back there, and I'm just getting blown away with the speakers in my ears, and I, and I could move from 
the bass of Darcy and just hear the bass. Then I can move to the middle and I can hear the wailing of Billy. Then I can move to the right and hear the rhythm of James. And then I would sneak my way back and hear, you know, I'd get right behind Jimmy and hear him banging on the kit. And uh, the magic that was filmed and made on that tour was uh, one of a kind for certain. Um, there was nothing more special than riding a bus with James and Darcy and Gooch. They call that the fun bus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then the other bus was good. It was Billy and Jimmy and uh, some other people, but mainly just Billy and Jimmy um, and Billy's girlfriend. So, you know, to wake up in a different city each each other day. And, and, you know, this tour was great because we only played or they only played every other day or every two days. So that means we had a lot of time to film off off site, which means, you know, filming away from the stage or the venue. Mm -hmm. So that means I had time to set up little sketches or little improvisational skits with some members of the band. And there's like a old New York City that's filmed in there. There's a a beautiful LA, the Roxy at the time. And, you know, now especially, um, it's important to see music because, you know, I'm really happy that the pandemic has been less... um, stringent less well it's yeah it's been less uh it's been going away mm-hmm. yeah and um I, it's I, is stringent the word i uh, just meaning like as far as like the guidelines go because it's opening up more yeah and i feel yeah. like people are safer now but man it's been a, a heck of a time for two years not being able to see live music so mm-hmm. this kind of comes at a time where it could just you know really blast people away and uh give them a taste for what's to come uh, from the band, from the Smashing Pumpkins, and uh, also a back look into the 90s when it was the 90s, man. The 90s were great. I don't need mean to sound old, but I am <laughs> older, and the 90s was rock and roll. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you don't have to yeah. tell us that. I mean, we are, we, well, it, it's, and it was also obviously, and you, you, we always run the risk of sounding old, you know, by saying uh, back in the day, things, things, oh there's, God, a, there's, there's so <laughs> much cool stuff now. There's so much cool new stuff, but I feel like the intersection of like pop music and really good music and, and like really kind of artistic, um, interesting bands, what that there was a, a moment in the 90s where that was kind of, um, you know, that that really the two things kind of merged in a in a way where like the huge stuff was also really cool stuff. And I feel like the pumpkins are a great example of that. Yeah, there were a lot of bands that were huge. There were a lot of bands that were using studios with no with not using, um, you know, nine writers. Um, it would be just the band. Um, I even had the pleasure of meeting Mike Garson uh on the adore recording which is great i've had the pleasure of you know while the pumpkins are recording meeting um 
the guitar player from Black Sabbath. It's skipping my Tony Iommi. It was Tony Iommi that I got to meet there. Um, imagine this, okay? Imagine showing up at SIR Studios in Studio City, mm-hmm. and you have in one rehearsal room uh, the Foo Fighters. And the other one, you have Hole, you had Soundgarden, you had the Pumpkins, then you had, oh, another interesting thing about this tour, sorry to jump off of that, but that was my 90s of showing up at these studios. Um, I was going to say, then in another room, you have Queens of the Stone Age, who actually opened for the Pumpkins in 99. So they opened for the Pumpkins on that tour, and they actually used... Ozzy Osbourne's bus that was was around uh, that fatally kill uh, was the fatal accident that killed uh, Randy Rhodes. Oh wow! So that that's the air that the bus that you know the the wing hit the bus and it just you know they were playing around in the airplane and blah blah. But um, I remember walking onto that bus and it was just so old and. It just smelled like an old bar. (laughs) And Josh is like, come on in, have a beer. That's funny. You know, the Palm Spring boys. I was about to say, yeah, they're desert folk. They're fine with it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they they were sleeping on that bus. Meanwhile, our buses are embarrassingly beautiful. Um, You know, we have these two, like, golden, pristine buses pulling up driving everywhere we're staying at the best resorts the best locations on tour that we could and what was cool is that i got to stay with the bands in in these hotels as well so i can always be there filming but also because that you know i was looked at as a friend that needed to be there and a friend that was a part of the band so whatever hotel they were in i was in um, and it was to capture magic moments. So it sounds like it, it, it already had the process of going through like getting made but we're here 20 years later yeah <laughs> why why what happened uh, why 20 years later yeah well it, it really i give all the credit to mitch and jimmy who you know mitch is always looking for a project uh we were both living upstate at the time he uh he came over and I told him I had all this footage. He said, why are we not doing something, especially with the pumpkins as relevant as they are? What is this doing sitting in all these boxes? I said, look, man, let's do something. But, you know, I'm giving you the film. I'm trusting you with it. Let's get it digitized. Let's make something. And then, you know, he worked his magic and he has a lot of connections and people that are willing to um, devote their time. And uh, he found Jimmy, a good old friend that did a, uh, I guess he did a, a, a feature prior to this. And uh, 
once he saw it, he was enthused and he was uh, excited to move forward. You know, it is a, uh, you know, they're younger than I am. They're in their 20s. That's important to know that. I mean, they're in their 20s and they're loving the pumpkins. Yeah. There is an example right there of how they withstand, withstand or withstood the, 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 the test of time and they're an iconic and legendary and will always uh, prevail. But why 20 years? That's why. Um, I, because I, either I was going to leave it as a nostalgia box for my uh, children or my child, or I was going to make something with it. But I, in the back of my mind, I always had a feeling that something would come of it because it's almost was like a glowing gem that would, uh, if I walked into my barn, I would look at it and it would glow and speak to me. <laughs> there, there was, they were the magical boxes that ha contained all the answers to um, the questions we have of a band on tour. Now the band is, I feel like uh, the band is even stronger than they were before. You know, they're putting out amazing stuff Correct. currently. And I feel like there is a kind of a retrospective feeling to understand where they are now. Cause they recently did the Gish, uh, you know, 30th anniversary. Yeah. 30 years. And it feels like it's not so much going back and being like, Oh, but that time it's more of like context to appreciate the pumpkins as a whole. Yes. 100%. You're absolutely right. When you say that, uh, going, you know, celebrating you know it's funny because again i can compare it to different painters and every painter had different styles or different uh, a different painting type at a different time of their life but none was better than the other right uh well i mean on occasion yes sometimes de kooning did make um stuff later on that he wasn't super like we, that other people felt like wasn't that that strong but on a general evolutionary rule is that if you keep moving forward you will evolve and right. um that's what i feel like the pumpkins have done just as if just as it, you know you'll find painters that are in their 80s painting their best stuff alex katz is in his 90s painting his best stuff right now yeah i compare that to to bands as well um you know as long as you keep uh, practicing and pushing forward and keeping to your trade and also learn, you know, you get older, you learn a lot more. So you're able to incorporate that into your music and your performances and uh, your, your, your playing gets better. Yeah. I think we're also at a time right now where it's the band has been around for a long, I mean, at least 30 years since, uh, they've come on the scene with a, a a full album release. And I think within that 30 years, it, it's given people time and perspective to in, appreciate the band the way it should be appreciated. They're, they're now kind of legacy, you know, it's like our generations, you know, the Rolling Stones or, yeah. you know, I, I feel yeah. like we're at a point now where the pumpkins have this legacy I know everybody thinks like, oh, Nirvana, Nirvana, but I feel like there are bands that like of our generation of like Pumpkins, Pearl Jam, uh, Chili Peppers, you know, all these bands that were around at that time that have a lasting influence. 100%. They haven't gone away. 
Um, They haven't gone away. They've become um, iconic and they've become um, legendary and they take on a whole new monster. You know, contextually, they'll never, you know, I see children, I see children wearing Smashing Pumpkins T-shirts. I see children wearing Pearl Jam. You know, I see my own being. (laughs) Oh, you do? Yeah, my my daughter wearing uh, pumpkins and Pearl Jam shirts to you know, REM, all that Metallica, you know, <laughs> Metallica, Wu Tang Clan, yeah. uh, Smashing Pumpkins, Nirvana, um, you know, all of these bands transcend time. Um, Absolutely, and because the art speaks for itself, and I think it has lasting power. It's not dated at all. Their music. The, uh, you know, you can't deny rock and roll and what it is. If, if you're true to yourself when you're making it, nothing will not stand the test of time. It will not be dated. If you're trying to follow a trend, it will very much be dated. You know, there are a lot of older bands that try to keep up with the time and their records will fail considerably. But if you stick to what you do best as a band, you will succeed always. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, I mean, it shows that, especially with the Pumpkins, it feels like a new generation is finding them. Yeah, 100%. And having appreciation. And we just interviewed somebody who is, I guess you would, quote unquote, a part of Gen Z, you know, <laughs> that younger generation. But Which is about- Gen Z now? Is Gen Z how old? Oh boy. Uh, I think it's 91. No, not 91. It's, I think it's later than that. I think it might be 2000. It follows Gen X, right? Uh, it follows millennia, um, millennials. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm too, bad. I know it's, it's so, cause I remember being part of like, uh, apparently generation Y, but then I was now I'm considered elderly millennial and like, you know, it's all <laughs> this bullshit, but uh, a younger gener he was talking about a younger generation finding the pumpkins and how they appreciate the the older stuff but then especially really appreciate an album like Sear the new one because it's Billy still pursuing that that desire that 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 fire to do something new in his way 100% um he'll never lose his talent <laughs> the band will never you know I talked to Jimmy Chamberlain a lot and you know he is so excited about what he made that record and he said we've never sounded better he he he, you know and that makes me excited and when you get so excited as a band to make something that you really love it's not going to be denied and you can't deny good music yeah you know no generation can deny or respect and respect somebody that is playing every instrument as best as the best. If and when this film is finished, we have decided that we will give, well, we haven't decided. Billy has said to me, I would like executive producer credit because he will overlook and oversee everything that comes out. So everything has to pass through Billy before it comes out. And, uh, and you know what? I'm honored. Yeah. I'm, I'm honored to have Billy, you know, engage and become a big part of 
this special moment in time. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, really cool. Really, really cool. I guess last question, what makes the pumpkins so fascinating to film? First off, their personalities are great. They're unique and they're very different than one another, but really work well together. They're explosive on stage. I think every, every show I filmed, I had chills and goosebumps. They're spontaneous. They're lovable. They're funny. You know, we're talking about working with music geniuses, in my opinion. So what makes it fun, I guess, is all of the above. Of You kind of never knew what you were going to get with Billy. You never knew what you were going to get with Jimmy. I would, you know, you never, you never knew what you were going to get with any of the, the band members on a particular day. But no matter what it was, it was uh, inviting and it was uh, um, ex- ex- exceptionally interesting. That's great. Yeah, I like it. You know, I, I could say that any band that I really respect, I like filming. So, yeah. and any band that really makes me excited, I like filming. I, li- I get that excitement. And especially when you know each person, it makes it more exciting. You know, you're filming your friends playing. Yeah. You know, you're 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 watching them do their thing, their their magic. And not many people have the talent that I've seen, especially with, you know, um, especially now with the music going on. Um, Mm. You know, it's really refreshing to see. But, you know, I feel like any band that you understand and feel like you can relate to them, there's nothing more special than you know, getting to know them and filming. That's great. Uh, Well, Peter, thank you so, so much for taking the time to do this. We really appreciate you coming on the pod. Uh, We, uh, where can people find you if they want to check out your work? Well, um, I think Pornhub is a really good place to see me. Okay. Um, I'm sure that I'm sure that joke hasn't been used before. <laughs> do you have uh, like hashtags, or do you have an actual account with them? Where can they? Find <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but where can people find you online to check out your? But realistically, you know, you could find me at Peter Macabish on Instagram. I will occasionally post snippets of. The 1999 Arising Tour with Billy, James, Darcy, and Jimmy. The return of Jimmy. And it mostly consists of amazing, blown out your ass, blown out of your head, blow your mind solos from Billy. Awesome. Because and the with the lighting and, and, and his beautiful two fangs that he has (laughs) coming out of his mouth while he's just making the guitar scream is mostly what you'll see on my Instagram. Awesome. Peter, thank you so much for being with us. 
Um, and thank you all out there for listening. We'll have more to come about the Arising Tour. And until then, we bid you farewell. And good night. Good night. night. Good night.